Hey, everybody. I am Stephanie Goss, and this is another episode of the Uncharted Podcast. This week on the podcast, Andy and I are tackling an email that came to us through the mailbag, and it's actually from a friend and colleague of ours who uh, we met when they were managing uh, several site locations for um, a practice and multi-doctor locations, practicing um, a high standard of care, current modern medicine. And our friend has uh, since left that practice and purchased their own practice, which is super exciting. And they purchased a practice that is in a rural location from a veterinarian who had been there 40 plus years and was retiring. And so um, the practice has a lot of potential and there is a different style of medicine, style of client service and communication than our friend wants to ultimately practice. And they are wondering, wondering, heading into this, what suggestions we have to help with friends who might be in this situation and they are not alone because this is a, this is a pretty common occurrence and they are really struggling with some of the challenges uh, through the transition phase because we all know change is hard. So let's get into this. And now the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me, Dr. Andy Rourke and Stephanie. The times they are a changing golf. <laughs> How's it going, Andy? Man, it's uh it's good enough. It's good. It's <laughs> it's it's crazy. Um but it is crazy. The spring has sprung and I uh get to slip out and work in my yard and the sun's going down a little bit later. I get to it's not dark when I get home from the clinic right now. I mean, yep. just if things are good uh, in a lot, a lot of ways, in the ways that matter, they're good. good. Uh, looking forward to seeing your smiling face. Uh, it will be past time when this episode comes out, but we're heading to Western Vet Conference together. Heck yeah, I'm super excited. I am I am excited to see you. I am excited to see all of our friends who we see when we are on the road at Conference Life. And I'm just excited to meet new friends. And, I, you know, I have to say, like, you and I went to Orlando at the beginning of the year for VMX, and it really filled my cup for a few weeks afterwards, just the having seen everybody and the excitement and the, you know, get togethers. And so I am, I am excited. I am, uh, <laughs> I'm having a little bit of anxiety because the last time you and I were in Vegas, I, I, um, it was right before the world shut down and I actually got, got COVID when we were there and, uh, took a while, didn't know it because they were only testing at that point for people who had been in China and yeah. had just come back yeah. and refused to test, refused to test until they did an antibody test. And then sure enough, and I've never been that sick in my life. And so I am a little nervous about going well, back you, to such a germy place. Yeah. You had COVID before COVID was cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. that's for sure. Yes. Like, and it was people in China and Stephanie Goss had COVID <laughs> at the same time. And well, and we were getting ready to leave. And I remember, I remember very clearly having given you. And, I got a big and, hug. <laughs> big hugs. And then I got on a plane and within the two hour plane ride back to Washington, I spiked up a hunt to 104 fever and was like, it was, it was awful. So I'm a little nervous yeah. about going, going back to Vegas, but I am excited. You remember that scene in the Matrix where uh, the guy shoots a bunch at Keanu Reeves and he like, moves you know with the bullet tie like when he's a blur as he's dodging bullets that was my that was me 
and Stephanie Goss's uh, uh, virus germs, was like, germy hugs. Well, yeah, germs were flying at me, and I was bending backwards as they whipped past, yeah. and I dodged those bullets, and uh, and made it home safely. So that was good. There will be lots of hand sanitizer this time. <laughs> just just two pump bottles like in holsters yeah. on your hips, so and you can just here. Just would you like squirt, them? Like whip them out. You can draw, and um, we. We've got an Uncharted meetup at Libertine Social on Sunday night, which is awesome. So we're going to connect amazing people to each other and uh, make sure that they uh, get to network and get to share ideas and get to get fired up and get to make new friends. So it's what we do with Uncharted. Yeah, so it's it's going to be good. I'm, ex- I'm excited. And like you, it's it's busy around here. Spring is happening. Kids sports have started in yeah. full effect. And uh, it is busy man but i am i'm excited and we have got uh we have got a great podcast topic today i'm actually i'm excited about this we got an email from a colleague that you and i have worked with before and it was really nice to hear an update on what they're up to and where they're at uh they had uh had the opportunity to purchase a, a practice uh that is in a rural location and they bought the practice it was a sm- small rural practice, older veterinarian, uh, had been there for 40 plus years at the practice. You know, the the guy who owned it and was like, I'm going to I'm going to retire and die in my practice uh, kind of thing. And so our friend wrote in and said, you know, I knew this going into it, but now I'm struggling because I want to change the kind of medicine that we're practicing and move things into a modern era. And and I'm really struggling because uh, there seems to be this pervasive kind of thinking that just because we are in a rural locale that clients won't spend any money on their pets. And uh, our colleague said, I feel like this is coming from the prior practice owner who uh, is still here, is has stayed on to kind of, um, you know, hand things off and transition out. And uh, our friend was saying, you know, I am struggling with the lack of modern (laughs) technologies, modern medicine. Uh, This is not who I have been as a doctor since I've been out of school and I'm really, really struggling. And so they were asking what, uh, you know, what do you guys have suggestion wise or thought wise that might help me get in a good frame of mind, but also help others in my same shoes, because this is a common occurrence, right? When you make mm-hmm. a transition in practice and you're shifting, um, whether it's the culture in the practice or the type of medicine. Um, and so I thought this would be a great one to talk through. Yeah, no, I, I like this a lot. And we and we see this a lot. It's, um, you know, there's um, fixer uppers are a thing, mm-hmm. yes. you know, and, uh, and or, you know, um, we have a vet and they're at the end of their career and they have kind of fallen into a pattern of how they practice and what their practice is going to be. And yes. now they're handing off to the next generation. The next generation says, well, you know, this practice has an established clientele. They have a staff. They have goodwill. They have blue sky, as we say in the business world, mm-hmm. you know, meaning they have a, a reputation and and uh, and people who come in and see them. Then the practice has value. And for a lot of independent veterinarians who want to buy a practice this is the kind of practice that's available yes uh you know more modern practices larger practices have largely caught the attention of maybe of some of the corporate groups and mm-hmm. it's hard to compete with those guys on what they can pay so mm-hmm. uh stuff like this that's kind of rural or kind of uh 
you know, um, that hasn't been updated or modernized. Those are the things that individual vets are finding available that they can purchase and they can afford. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so this is not at all um, uncommon. This is this is in a way, this is a turnaround, right? Like this is looking at a business that is set in its way and say, we need to make some significant changes here. And it is a fun challenge and you need to think of it that way that's the first part of headspace yes is this is a challenge you need to look at this at like a fixer-upper house Mm -hmm. that you're like yeah i'm gonna buy this thing and it has great potential and i'm going to enjoy working on it because i will tell you if you buy a fixer-upper house and you do not enjoy the process of actually fixing it up it's probably not going to be a super fun experience it's just not yeah so that's that's the very first part is hey Get yourself into a fixer-upper mindset, right? Think about what's possible. Feel excited about where you can go and then enjoy the process of updating what you've got and making it into what you want it to be. Because if you just, if you don't want to go through that process, this might have been a bad play, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. But it can be really fun and it can be really rewarding. Honestly, it can be one of the things in your life that you look back and you're wildly proud of. It can mm-hmm. also be financially uh, very, very lucrative when you take something that, you know, that is kind of living 20 or 30 years in the past and you bring it up to modern standards and you grow it and you run it that way. And, you know, it becomes a a really valuable business that you never could have afforded if you'd bought it the way that it is yes. after you've run it for five or 10 years. Right. Yeah. I, I love that you um, made that uh, that that connection and, and the example of having a fixer upper mindset in the house uh, makes total sense to me that that analogy, because um, I think. I think what you just said is so key and why practices like this are so appealing to so many people and why this is so common is that ability to create your own clean slate and make it what you want and put your stamp on it and put your mark on it. And, and it comes with a significant period of change. And we know that change is hard. (laughs) And we know that change is something that all humans struggle with. And the veterinary industry (laughs) seems to struggle much harder. This is this is extra hard. It's like if you bought a fixer of her house and then there were people living in in the house and you wanted to keep them there. Like as you as you fixed it up. Yes. uh, You're like, we have to keep the squatters happy. Uh, That's. That's kind of that's the extra challenge beyond just the fixer upper house where you're like, it's just me and I get to do exactly what I want when I want. Yeah. Uh, in this scenario, we also have to uh, try to sort of keep some other people on board. So yes. anyway, it, it does have a it does have a special challenge, but you you got to you have to look at it as an interesting challenge that you want to do. Mm-hmm. And boy, you you've got it. You you have to decide that you're going to enjoy the journey. Yeah. Because if you're like, I can't afford the practice I want, so I'm going to buy this other practice that's wildly different, and then I'll just turn it into the practice that I want, and then I'll be happy when it's what I want it to be. And I go, yep. ooh, yeah. That's that's uh that's a long path that that uh you're going to be frustrated before you get there but if you just say i'm going to enjoy the process of making this into what i want it to be and going on this journey i think this can be a really wonderful thing uh, that 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 i don't know that that works out and that uh that people can take a lot of enjoyment in going through the process but first part of headspace 
this is a challenge. Mm -hmm. If you buy a fixer upper house and then walk into that house and you're immediately overwhelmed by the plumbing and the electrical problems and the furnace needs to be replaced and the ductwork and the paint is old and crappy and the carpeting needs to come out, that's that's an overwhelmed headspace. Yes. That's easy to happen. Uh, you have to have the same skills in the practice to go in and go, there's a bunch of things that I want to fix. Like there's a laundry list of things I want to fix. Yep. I cannot fix them all. I'm going to start in one place and I'm going to start to work on this. Yes. And the best analogy, and again, we started off talking about um, the spring has sprung here and I am very much enjoying just doing yard work. And it is a happy place for me. It's a mental place for me. And I tell this story sometimes, you know, I started off um, and I, I have a couple of acres of, of land uh, in the, in the woods. And so I live in the woods and for a long time, my, my little, my little yard around the house was pretty bare and there wasn't a whole lot going on. And the reason was because there's just a big space of land, like three acres is, is a chunk of land. And I just was overwhelmed. I was just like, I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. If anyone's ever had, you know, a big project, they kind of know what I'm talking about where you say, you know, there's so much to do here. I would go to Home Depot and get one gardenia. And I'd be like, <laughs> what, do I, what do I do with this? You know, it's in, it's in a five gallon bucket. You uh -huh. know, I'm like, what do I do with uh -huh. this thing? And so finally, the best advice I got was from my dad. And I was sort of talking about like, hey, I don't, I don't even know how to get started. And he was like, just pick a hill and make it pretty. And then pick another hill and make it pretty. Mm -hmm. And in 10 years, you'll have a beautiful place. Mm -hmm. And that's great advice. And I, I think it's the same here is when we start off, and again, just in the headspace standpoint, when we start off and we say, hey, we're going to be updating this practice and there's a million things to do, um, you're, you cannot do all of them at once. And I see people flail around and try. They're like, we're changing everything at once. And I go, that's a mistake. Yeah. P pick a hill and make it pretty and then pick another hill and make it pretty, you know, and just keep going. Mm -hmm. And you will be amazed at uh, how quickly things will be beautiful. And and quickly is relative because another part of Headspace, I would say, is remember, we tend to wildly overestimate what we can do in one year mm -hmm. and we underestimate what we can do in 10 years. Mm -hmm. And so this is not a one-year deal, but very quickly, it'll you'll be five years in and you'll look around and go, oh, wow, we're in a completely different place running mm -hmm. a completely different business or even three years. But it's not three months. And it's not one month. Right. Well, and I think to go back to your house analogy, like when you buy a fixer upper, there are there really are two approaches to that. Right. You can kick the squatters out and you can mm -hmm. it can be empty. You can gut the whole thing and redo it and fast track mm -hmm. it and you can sprint at it or you can take the take the long road approach, right? Because maybe you're living in the house while you're fixing it up and you're doing, like you said, you're picking a hill and you're doing one thing at a time. And maybe you start in the bathroom and then you work your way out, like whatever that looks like. And I think that is very relevant and very important to the headspace here because it, there are, I have, I have friends who have bought practices where they looked at it and said, I know going into this that I want to change everything about this. And mm -hmm. my intention and plan is I'm going to gut the place. And that might mean team, that might mean equipment, that might mean the facility itself, all of the above, clients, all of it, and and knock it to the ground and start over and do it fairly quickly. There are other people who are like, 
I'm going to get in here. I'm going to live here for a little bit. I'm going to figure out what I want to do and then I'll make a plan. And then there are other people who are like, I'm going to live here, but I know I'm going to change some things and this is where I'm going to start. And I think from the headspace perspective, figuring out kind of which of those three tacks you want to take with the practice is is really, really important because I don't think it's wrong for any of those to be your choice. There's value uh, on a personal level and on a business level in all of the approaches. It just has to be what is right for you and what is your what is your end goal. And so to your point, if you, you know, if you want to keep some of the squatters in in the house because you see value in them. You're like, I this team's been here a long time. There are some of these people that I would really like to the chance to work with. Your approach to that might be vastly different. Yeah. Um, and so I think I think what you said uh, about picking the hill is is really spot on, because when I think about what our colleague wrote and like, you know, yeah, you've got you've got the medicine and changing medicine is hard and that's a whole ball of wax unto itself. But if you're also looking at facilities and man and yeah. software and technology, to your point, those you can change so much of that pretty quickly if you really go all in and fast track it and that's not a choice that is without consequences or or results that are going to come out of that choice. And you just have to be prepared to deal with that. So I think it's really important to kind of figure out how do you want to approach it? I need to make, jump in here and make an addendum. I'm listening to you say back to me my words. I need to jump in and say, uh, when I say there are squatters in the house, in the fixer upper house, I, <laughs> I 100% mean that there are just people who were there when you got there. I do not mean there are people there who are not actively contributing and working really hard and being wonderful. Like I said, when I say squatters, that immediately sends a signal of, oh, these people are just hanging out, not doing anything. It's not what I'm trying to say. Don't, please don't think that. Don't, don't, yeah, that's not where I'm going. But you, you anyway, that's, that's the point. My yes. point is you, you're buying a fixer-upper that has a lot of invested people who are yeah. there that you also want to give. Okay, cool. So let's talk about this a little bit, right? Because um, how quickly do you move on these things? Because I started off saying you need to have, you know, realistic expectations of the timeline, things like that. I would like to keep as much of the staff as I can who are willing to come on the journey. And I think this is a really important part of Headspace for people to, to make peace with. Mm-hmm. is if you buy a practice and there's a bunch of people there and they're like, we like our practice the way it is. And you're like, I'm going to come in and change a bunch of stuff. There are some people who are going to enthusiastically say, you know what? This is what I've been hoping for. Mm-hmm. This is great. Yep. And there will be some people who are like, well, it's not really what I want, but I do understand why this is happening. And yep. there are going to be some people who go, no, no. I hate this. Like, I'm here because this is the only place that still does medicine like they did 30 years ago. And that's what I want. Right. And I just want to go ahead and set realistic expectations for the people listening. And so you cannot make everyone happy. And there's the old quote, uh, I don't know what the key to, to success is, but the key to failure is trying to make everyone happy. Yeah. And that is that is true. Now, that does not mean go in um, raging, flaming, sort of justice out and just, you know, clean house saying everyone who doesn't immediately want to do the the crazy vision that I have that I'm putting forward, they all need to go. Yeah. Right. Um, there should be nuance to this. But I do think at some point we have to be realistic about, you know, some people don't want to change. And so I had um, I had a mentor 
early in my career that would do turnaround practices like this. And I was with him one time when uh, we went to talk to a, a staff in a practice that he had just taken uh, an ownership stake mm-hmm. in and everything. And the, and he talked to, to the staff when I was there. And, and he had this sort of phrase that he said that really sort of stuck with me. And, and we talked about it later on. And he said, you know, he would go in and, and he said, um, hey, look, you guys are great and you're doing great stuff. And we are excited to be going to the next level of medicine and the next level of serving our clients. Mm -hmm. So he said, you guys are great. You're working really hard. You're doing great stuff. And we're excited to go to the next level, Mm -hmm. meaning not, hey, you guys haven't been doing what you're supposed to do or, hey, you guys are stuck 30 years in the past. It's no, I see your effort. I see how you take care of clients, validate all of the good things that they're doing and validate that they're working hard and they're doing a good job. And then just say also, and we are going to be, we're going to be changing things. We're going to be updating. We're going to be going to the next level. And then the place the party got into after that was, hey, you can be here and be on board with what we're doing. And that's what we want. And we want to support you in that. And we want you to be here. Or you can decide that this isn't for you and you don't want to be a part of this and and you can leave and there's not going to be any hard feelings and we will 100% support you and write letters of recommendation or anything like that for you to go to another place. There's no hard feelings at all. But what people can't do is stay here and not be on board with where we're going. Mm -hmm. And that's the speech. And I have just found that to uh, to be useful in a lot of different times in my career is sort of to say to people, hey, you can be here and be on board with what we're doing and we really want that. Or you can decide you're not on board with where we're going and the changes that we're making. And you can decide this isn't where you want to be and you can leave. And there's no hard feelings. Like that's mm-hmm. not the wrong way to feel. But what you can't do is not be on board and stay. And I think that those are kind of rules words to live by uh, in, in a lot of these things. And I think if you're the new practice owner and you're going to fix up, uh, fix this place up, those should be words that you should get pretty comfortable with. Because I have seen a lot of people cater to staff members who are not on board and are not going to be on board, yep. but they're also not going to leave, which means they are going to continue to be here and undermine the changes that you're trying to make. And, and as a leader, that that can't happen. Like yep. th- if this is your passion and you have bought the business and you are taking it that place, it's amazing how many people I have seen just put up with, uh, you know, one or two people who are just going to undermine everything they do and because they don't want to lose staff. And I say, you yep. know, I would like to make this as painless as possible. Um, at the same time, there are going to be some people who are going to just say at the beginning, it's not for me. And there's going to be people who are also going to not say anything, but just undermine what you're doing. And you need to make peace with those people moving on, whether it's at the very beginning or whether more likely you're going along and we're going to see how this goes. And they just become less and less on board with what you're doing until you reach the point where you say, no, this is this is not working. Yeah. And I I think um, I I love that um, approach to talking about it with the team. And I think that it is very, very smart for a variety of reasons, least of which is you have to set the stage and draw Mm -hmm. some boundaries right off the bat. And I think that, you know, when I when I think about this, this is this is a really important conversation to have um, early. And um, you also it's also this 
this process and thinking about it is strategic because the transitions are always going to be hard. And so mm-hmm. generally when you have a sale, there's some period of transition. Sometimes the prior owner is like, here's the keys, goodbye, walks out the door, <laughs> you know, but for a lot of practices, there's some period of transition. And so I think um, what I would say to to our friend is, hey, think about the time frame. And this happens to be a relatively short transfer time frame of like four weeks, four to six weeks, right? So you could survive anything for four to six weeks. And so, uh, you know, I would think about what, what pick your poison here. Like this is a short period of time. Do you, can you put up with it and tell one, ba- one barrier that you know is a barrier, the mm-hmm. selling vet who doesn't want to change their style of practice is out the door or do you want to try and address this while they are still there? Because maybe there are line in the sand things happening in the practice that you are not okay with. And then you have to figure out you got to pick your poison. Are you going to deal with it now? Because maybe they leave before the four to six weeks is up. And is that okay? So if you are someone who is buying into a situation like this, and you haven't made that commitment, those are definitely strategic things that I would think about in terms of the exit timeframe. And that period of transition, because you want to set yourself up for success, because you need to know, everyone should have this conversation at some point in time. And you need to know when are you going to be able to have this conversation. And too often what I see is colleagues who get themselves into a situation where they know fundamentally going into it that that it's a fixer upper and they're going to want to make changes. And there's this long transition period of six months or 12 months. Yeah. And they just sit there and suffer for that transition period. Yes. Because they're like, I we agreed to this. And I feel like if I don't you live up to the agreement that I'm going to be not doing the right thing. And, you know, as as far as going into this agreement with the the prior owner and the seller and oh, my gosh, I'm struggling with this. Right. So I think it's really strategic to think about when are you going to have this conversation? Um, The when to me is almost more important than the how, because I think you have to set yourself and the team up for success. And so the, our friend is lucky. They have a relatively short time frame, And so I would say, you know, bide your time, live, live out the four weeks. You can do anything for four weeks. Oh yeah. And, and then, and then get the team together. And this is your opportunity to let them be heard. And, and also to start building those cultural foundations that we talk about so often on the podcast, right? And this is a great way to start a conversation is, like you said, you're giving them the kudos. You're telling them, you guys are doing a great job. Here are the things that I see that are positive, right? And I want to take that and I want to punch it up a notch. And so here's what we're going to do next. You know, here's here's where we're going next, next level. What does that look like in the short term? And then here's what I need from you. I need you to be on board. And if you're not, no hard feelings. Yeah. Let's make a plan for what that looks like. Yep, totally. So the the last part I was making headspace because you really touched on this as well is this is very much an exercise in picking your poison, mm-hmm. okay? And on one extreme, you have your vision. And this is where I see people trapped a lot. Uh, you have your vision of what you want the practice to be and you hold that in one hand. And on the other hand, you have your dislike of being unpopular yes. or making people uncomfortable yes. or confronting people when they don't get on board with new programs, protocols, things like that. I don't want to have uncomfortable conversations. And I see people holding those two things in their hand and suffering. Mm-hmm. And often, 
we lean into the short term and I see these poor new practice owners and their desire not to rock the boat, not to make people uncomfortable, not to lose any staff members, not to have someone say, I'm, all right, so, so this is a thing that you have to try to empathize here, try to be emotional. Imagine that you bought this practice and you have this vision of like, I want to be a great boss. I want to own a great practice. I want to have a place where people are happy to work. Mm -hmm. And then you have someone say to you, you're ruining this practice Mm -hmm. and I'm leaving. Mm -hmm. Like most of us don't have the confidence Mm-hmm. To just shake that off. Like, I don't care how good you are. That hurts. And most times, that's garbage. What happens is yes. their ruination of this practice <laughs> is fulfillment of your vision. You know, you're right. not ruining the practice. Right. You're ruining th- their idea of what the practice should be. Right. But it still freaking hurts yeah. when you get that feedback. And as, as someone who has big ideas and likes to change things, yes. gotten that feedback from people who have decided they didn't want to work where we were going. And, yeah. you know, and I go, I yes, it's I've been doing this a long time and we've been very successful and it still really shakes you yep. and makes you feel crappy. And so um, I just want to call that out. But there you are, right? You're holding in one hand. Uh, this is this is the vision. This is what we could be. This is what I want the practice to be. And the other hand, I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to have confrontation with people who are not on board. I don't want to do these things. And ultimately, what I have to say to people is, you have to pick your poison here. Yep. Okay. And you're gonna get. You're getting poison. Yes. <laughs> it's either it's either that your vision never comes to reality, yes. mm-hmm. and you own a practice you're not proud of. And that's pretty bitter poison to me. I don't think you're going to make me take that. Or we're going to have some hard conversations and people are going to not like what we do. Or we're Mm -hmm. going to go through some pain points. And there's going to be headaches and frustration because training people to do things a new way there. It's not easy. It's, you know, it's hard. Yeah. And so just remember, no matter what, you're going to pick your poison. And and here's to the point of, of, you know, the previous owner hanging around and things like that. Again, you pick your poison. Um, do you want the poison of having this person who the team looks up to, who knows where everything is, who's got a ton of experience? Yeah. Do you want the poison of having that person gone and you're, you don't have a transition time, you don't have any sort of you know, right. overlap? Or do you want the pain of that person staying? And a lot of it depends on how long are they going to stay? Right. Because I'll take the poison of them staying for a month. Right. But I'm not going to take the poison of them staying for six months. Right. You know what yep. I mean? Yep. If, mm-hmm. if they're undermining what we're doing, yes. it could also be a wonderful benefit. Yes. You know, if Absolutely. they're willing to come along, it really depends on the individual. There's no like, this is how long this person should be here. Yes. It 100% depends on them. And so anyway, remember that you're picking your poison. And um, the other thing is you're not, Oftentimes it's not, does this, do I stay with this person or do I let this person go? A lot of times, really the choice you're making is, do I stay with this person right now or do I let this person go right now? Right. And there will be people you will deal with who are up, you know, and you say, you know, in the short term, this person is valuable to have here and they are helping in a number of ways that outweigh the negatives of of them being around. And that equation may shift over time and it'll be, yes. there probably will be that there'll be people who will be there for a year and then they just won't say this is as far as I'm willing to go. And that yep. may be the time in which you part ways, not the first day of the practice, mm-hmm. but a, mm-hmm. a, a year in. And again, the people who leave, they're not bad. 
They no. just don't share the vision of where this is going or they don't see themselves in it. And of course, I do want to, I want to support them seeing themselves in, in the practice, right? As, as the yep. leader, I do yep. like to say to people, hey, I want to support you. I want to get you on board where we're going. I want you to feel comfortable. I want you to have the training to understand what we're doing and where we're doing you know, and where we're going. And and, and yep. I, I want to, to do that. But at some point, I can't make people want something if they don't want it. All I can do is present it to them in a couple different ways and try to figure out what resonates with them and try to put them in a place in that thing that's going to make them happy. But ultimately, they're the only ones who can really decide if this is where they want to be. And if they don't want to be here, I can't take it personally. It's it's me choosing to follow my vision over to make this particular person happy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I think the last thing for Headspace before we head into a quick break here is um, what we said before about not um, it's a marathon, not a sprint is really important because when you are, when you are fundamentally changing a practice, this is a, this is a long haul project. Even if you sprinted through and you updated everything in the first six months, that the transition period from a style of medicine in a rural location, one doctor practice where the same vet has been there for 40 plus mm. years that's that that's like those are some big shifts and even if you lift all of the boulders and clear everything out of your way and do it really fast the the time shift for not only your team and yourself but for your community for your clients is also big and so i've got some um thoughts and ideas cuz i went through this shift in my last practice in terms of our clients and making some of the medicine changes that our, our friend was talking about. And, and that's a that's a marathon. And that's something mm-hmm. that you're going to have to to plan for. And so just keeping that in the back of your mind that not only is not only is it a marathon when it comes to the, the building and getting all mm-hmm. of the, the things that you want and the updating and the equipment and the technology and things like a practice management system changeover, like those things are all things that take time. And so I like, I like your thought earlier that, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day and you do, there's yep. a lot of big things that you're going to want to change. And so part of this transition process, potentially one of the most invaluable parts, other than having that conversation that you shared, and I love the words you used for setting the stage with the team early, right mm-hmm. off the bat, is doing spending the time to do some strategic thought and planning for yourself and making some of those lists because there's going to be nine million things that you think of and there are going to be things that are easy low-hanging fruit wins that you can put up front and there are going to be things that are going to be long multi-stage processes Mm -hmm. in terms of change and so you should have an idea for what all is on that list before you just go pell-mell shooting at whatever is the fire that's in front of you, right? Like, and that's how a lot of us walk in and we're just like, oh, there's shiny objects everywhere. Which one do I go after first, you know? So I, I think that from a headspace perspective, that's the other thing to keep in mind is that this is a long game. And, and where I have succeeded the best at long game has been planning. And Mm -hmm. strategic thought ahead of time, you know, you don't just most people, your average person doesn't just go out and run a marathon, 
mm-hmm. plan and you train and there's there's thought and process into that goes into that before it happens. And so I think that that's a really important part of the headspace for me um, as, a, as a practice owner is it's really easy to get caught up in the excitement and the energy of I can make this place my own and take the time to really think about it and 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 be smart and and plan for what for what you want I think yeah. is important for me I agree let's take a break here and then we're gonna come back and let's get into the action steps to actually run through this process sounds good Hey, Stephanie Goss, you got a second to talk about Guardian Vets? Yeah, what do you want to talk about? Man, I uh, I hear from people all the time that are overwhelmed because the phones never stop ringing. Yes. Um, and I'm sure you, you hear from these people as well. You know, like our caseload is blowing up and the doctors are busy and uh, the phones just don't stop. They never stop. <laughs> that is a true story. I'm amazed by how, uh, how few veterinarians know about Guardian Vets. This is a service where you have uh, registered technicians uh, who can jump in virtually and help you on the phones. You can flip the switch and uh, Guardian Vets can jump in and take some of the load off the front desk and they can handle your clients and get them booked for your appointments and give them support. And it really is a godsend. Pre-pandemic, it was amazing to me how many people hadn't heard about it for after hours call help. But at this point, I can't believe how many people don't realize that they are offering help during the daytime as well, which I would think right now is a huge benefit to practices because everybody is shorthanded. Everybody is drowning in phone calls. And so we talk about it. We've talked about Guardian Vets a lot on the podcast. And every time we do, we always get somebody who says, what is that? <laughs> Guys, if you're not familiar with Guardian Vets, if you think that you could use some help on the uh, on the phones or up the front desk, check them out. It's guardianvets.com. And uh, if you mention our podcast, me and Stephanie Goss, uh, you get a month free. So check it out, guardianvets.com. Hey. Hey you, what you got happening on your calendar in March? Because the Uncharted Veterinary Community has lots of things coming up that I don't think you're going to want to miss. First up in March, we have an awesome workshop by my friend, Dr. Saya Clement. Saya is going to be talking about client curation with us. She's going to teach us how to learn to identify the types of clients that you want for your practice. And then what are things that you and your team can do to attract those kind of clients specifically? It's happening March 13th at 12 p.m. Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, and it is a two-hour workshop. So put that on your clinic calendar, take a lunch break, go in late for the day if you're here on the West Coast. It is $99. It's free, as always, for our Uncharted members, and you can sign up at unchartedvet.com forward slash events. And then in the back half of the month, on March 24th, my dear friend, Brett Canfield, is doing a presentation that I am super pumped about. He and I are going to do some tag teaming on this. I am his wingman moderator, and I am so excited for this because I went to Brett at the beginning of the year and said, hey, you are the person that comes to mind when I think about this topic because you live this and you help teams breathe this. And I want to bring this to Uncharted and to the veterinary community at large. And that is the idea of more than an EAP. What can we do to make wellness happen in our practices? Brett is going to talk to us about the benefits of programs like EAPs. But beyond that, what are some ways and things that we can do to create sustainability for our teams? Again, this is a two-hour workshop. It's $99 for the general public, and it's free for our Uncharted members. 
It's happening on March 24th at 2 p.m. Eastern time, so 11 a.m. Pacific. So this one will hit my West Coasters lunchtime and mid-afternoon for those East Coasters. It's a two-hour one. So again, make sure to check out unchartedvet.com forward slash events for all of the upcoming events and registration. And I want to take a quick second to pause before we head back to the podcast. I have to show some serious gratitude to our friends at Banfield Pet Hospital. Andy and I have wanted to do transcripts for the blog for a while because we've had multiple colleagues reach out to us and say, hey, I've heard great things about the podcast. I would love to listen, but this is not accessible to me. And while we were trying to figure that out, our friends over at Banfield stepped up and said, hey, we see you and this is something that fits our values and our culture as a practice. We want to increase diversity and inclusion in veterinary medicine, and we would love to help with that. And so they stepped up in a big way and are sponsoring all of our transcripts for 2022. So if you know someone who hasn't accessed the podcast because there weren't transcripts available previously, send them to unchartedvet.com forward slash blog. They can find all of the transcribed um, podcasts for 2022. And uh, they can also find out more or you can find out more about all of the things that Banfield Pet Hospital is doing to increase diversity, inclusion, and equity in veterinary medicine. And now back to the podcast. All right. So let's jump back into this and start talking about what we're actually going to do here. Okay. All right. So we've got, uh, we have our previous practice owner. They're there for a month and then they're going to be sort of moving on. And it sounds like we have a little bit of hesitation about making significant changes while this person is there um, because the team is still, it's always an awkward period, right? The team is still looks at the person who's been the boss for as long as they can remember. And they're kind of like, oh, he feels like the boss, but he's not really anymore. Yep. This is a short enough period of time, again, case by case basis to see what you need to do. But I, I guess for me, my my top priority, the first thing I would work on coming into this situation is say, hey, this guy's still here. I'd like to learn as much from him as I can about how things have been done, about what the culture is. And then also, I want to start building relationships because the best chance of me retaining people and keeping them on board is if I know these people. And if I don't seem so scary, mm -hmm. one of the things is you're the new person, you come in and they don't know you. Right. And then you start changing things yeah. and they're making assumptions about what your intentions are or what you care about or what your values are, things like that. And and it's just a wildly uncertain time for them. And so anything you can do to get them to know you before you start really moving their cheese around, mm -hmm. uh, that it probably is a worthwhile investment. So yes. I would probably focus initially on, hey, who are you people? What do you care about? What do you like about being here? How do you see this practice? What do you think the practice values are? What are you most proud of that we've done in the community? Things like that. And then say, okay, cool. I want to achieve my vision. At the same time, I would like to protect the things that they care about, you know? Mm -hmm. And if, if they say, hey, we serve this community, um, and I hear that from every single person, I need to talk about how the vision is going to serve the community. And if I don't, then I I may be introducing values that don't match up with the values of the staff that exists. And again, yes. that doesn't mean I'm not going to do it, but I'm also just going to go ahead and ready myself and say, this is, you know, this, this may end up in, in me having to replace a lot of people. Mm -hmm. um, and just, just, I'm going to take it for what it is, but I'd like to at least know what am I dealing with? And I'd like them to know me as a person uh, as quickly as possible as well. Yep. Yeah. I think um, building relationships with the team and kind of building that foundation is really important. There's a lot of assessing 
on both sides. Like they need to get to know you, right? Trust doesn't just happen in an instant. They need to get to know you and you need to get to know them. And there is some assessing to be done um, in terms of are there are there people to to your point earlier, are there people who are going to want to stay here and not be on board? And mm-hmm. trying to feel that out for yourself is is important. Um, and I think the other thing that I would say is um, I would take the opportunity for a transition period to just keep asking why um, mm-hmm. to the prior owner and to the team. So so that especially when it comes to uh, the medicine side of it and the client side of it, asking questions tell me more. Why do you do it that way? What, you know, what's your thought behind that? And really come at it from, um, an understanding heart of, of trying, assuming the best intentions really, and trying to understand why they're doing what they're doing, because it's easy for us to say, you know, the standard of medicine that was taught in school 40 plus years ago is radically different than the standard of medicine and what I learned in vet school in the last, you know, 10 years, right? And it's easy to get caught up in being dismissive about that. And there's a lot of value and wisdom in that level of experience. And so I would say the best chance for success with trying to understand would be to ask those why questions and figure Mm -hmm. out, is there value there? Are there some things that really do that's a good point. I never would have thought about that. Like, you know, you have the opportunity to learn some things potentially. And maybe at the end of the day, you feel like, nope, I don't agree. I want to do, you know, I don't agree with that medicine. I, I believe in what I believe in. That's, that's fine. And there's still opportunity to take things away if we come at it from an open um, and understanding place. And so that would be, that would be my advice for building the relationships with the, with the technical team, with the doctor who's, who's leaving is to just keep asking those, those why questions, you know, tell me why you're doing it that way. Tell me why we do this for clients. Tell you know, and be the broken record and just write it all down for yourself. Make a, make lists, make notes, really, truly um, try and engage with them because they're going to feel like at, at first there may be skepticism. They may be like, why are you doing this? <laughs> you know, why are yeah. you asking us all these questions? Because you want to change the way that we're doing things. But there's still value in what has been done and how it's been done. Even if the value comes from learning why with the intention to still change it. And I think that that that's an important part for me. So the relationships is is really important, but also taking advantage of of that time um, and really just trying to remind yourself, like, I'm going to assume good intentions and I'm going to I'm going to ask questions and I'm going to try and learn as much as I possibly can. I I agree. Um, Take a positive affirmation focused approach to how you talk to the team. Um, it is easy to come in and start talking to them about why what they have been doing is not up to standards yeah, and why what you want to do is so much better than that what they've been doing. Yep. And that's, that's, that's just breeds, it breeds resentment and, yep. and it steps up and asks for confrontation, right? Because no one wants to be told that they've been doing a bad job. Right. Especially when they're working their butts off like they right. probably are. Right. Like, can you imagine uh, working, you know, 
overwhelmed working so hard and someone new comes in and says, let me tell you why you've not been doing a good job. Mm-hmm. Like, could mm-hmm. you, like mm-hmm. nobody wants to hear that. Yeah. And so, again, I'm not going to tell them things that aren't true, but go and look. Are they working really hard? Then let's praise their work ethic, right? Are they right. are they focused on serving the community? Then let's talk about that. Do they have good relationships with the clients that they serve? Yes. Are they compassionate towards the pets? Absolutely. Praise all of those things and then say, you know, this is what you guys are doing really well and this is where we're going to grow. And focus not on, hey, this is what we're going to fix, but mm-hmm. instead, this is what we're going to grow. And that may sound like a subtle thing, but man, that's important in the communication. Mm-hmm. I'm a big believer in rituals um, as, for human beings. Mm-hmm. And so uh, rituals are signposts in our life. I am a big believer in the importance of graduation. So let's just take like graduation yes. of vet school, right? So we have graduation from vet school. And um, the purpose of the graduation, and I don't think people dig into this enough. The purpose of a graduation from vet school is a ritual to transfer people from a state where they are students, where they are paying money to learn to a state where they are professionals. And hopefully Mm -hmm. they'll continue to learn throughout the rest of their life. But they're now someone who is paid for their knowledge. Mm -hmm. Right. You are a doctor now. Yesterday, you were not a doctor. Yesterday, you were a student trying to become a doctor. And today you are a doctor. Mm -hmm. And I think that rituals to send those signals to flag post, hey, this is an important turning point. I think those things really matter and they matter to people and how they see themselves and how they see the world around them and their community and their environment. Okay, and so rituals are important. I think that going into situations like this, when you're taking over ownership, especially when things have been in an established way and you know those things are going to change, introducing some sort of a ritual, a, a signal that the changing of the guard is happening, I think that that can be really valuable. Mm-hmm. I like people to know, yep, you guys have done a great job. And that chapter is now over and we are turning the page to a new chapter. And Mm -hmm. anyone who thinks that, oh, no, we're staying in the previous chapter, I want to dissuade you of that thought as quickly as I can. Yep. And so that can be anything from putting up a new sign Mm -hmm. outside the business. Mm -hmm. Um, Paint jobs Mm -hmm. are an easy, relatively easy thing that changes the way a place feels. Sure. That's not bad. Nope. You know, paint the building, redo the lobby, you know, put a new sign out front, you know, pick a couple of things and do it. Um, Have a send off gathering for the last doctor. Uh, My friend, Dr. Dave Nichol uh, did this in a practice he bought. It was so great where he had, you know, he bought it from uh, a veterinarian and they had a garden sort of out in front of the practice and he had the garden sort of re-landscaped or, or, you know, updated and Uh he added a little statue, a little sitting area to it and he dedicated it to the doctor who was selling and retiring and he invited all of the clients to come and say goodbye to the doctor that was leaving and, um, and to honor that person and then also to meet the new doctor who was going to be taking over. And it was a, I mean, just think about that. Yep. It's a great way for, for, for Dave to meet, uh, to meet the clients and things like that. It makes the staff feel like they're honoring this person who's left and they're not being forgotten and their work is being recognized. And then also it's sending a new, very clear signal that the ritual of the page turning has right. taken place. Yes. And now we're beginning a new, 
a brave Chapter. new world. Yeah. And so I, I think that that stuff is really important. I think a lot of times people are like, I don't want to rock the boat. I'm just going to subtly slip in here and then change everything that you do. Right. You know, and I go, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know. I For me, when, you, when you're right. going to, when you're going to make change, just be upfront about it and give people those signals of like, hey, this is not going to be what it was before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the, not good or bad, but just not going to be the same. And think about what can signal signals both to the staff, but then also to the clients mm-hmm. because the client experience is going to change. Yes. And so once we've sent these situ- these signals to the staff and we've come up with some ways to sort of say, hey, very clearly, visual reminders that things are changing. Um, we're also going to talk about sending some visual reminders and some reminders to the to the clients that they can expect change Mm -hmm. because people don't like when they show up and then what they expect doesn't happen yes i want to i want to alter expectations as much as i can before people get to the building Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yep i i love that and the the ideas of the sprucing up or or the the painting the boat like the visual changes that is that's so great and i love the idea in this kind of situation of let's give let's give the vet who's given their heart and their career to this place like let's give them a party let's you know let's celebrate them let's say goodbye but do it in a way that to your point is very clearly saying this person is leaving and things will be changing you know yeah Yeah. I, i just i think that's really important I like that particular example because I think it also is a nice way to engage the clients and let them know, hey, you can expect some changes from us. Yes. And people go, but I don't want them to think about any changes or or, or see. I don't want them to know things are going to change. And I go, look, they're going to know. They're going to. If you're, if you're talking about radically changing how this practice works, they're going to know yes. better to go ahead and tip them off that change is coming and to just start communicating uh, sooner rather than later. Well, and you're controlling the messaging when you're doing the communicating versus change subtly happening and other people giving that messaging for you, whether it's the team or other clients or people who have come in and don't like the change. And then they're giving the messaging to other people in the community like you need to be able to take control of that as much as you can if you mm. want to not be surprised by what comes out as a result. Sure. Well, you and I have worked with uh, practices who have gone through significant changes that the pet owners are going to be very well aware of. Things yeah. like closing on Wednesday or closing on Saturday and just pulling those out of the air. Right. As mm-hmm. Things that pet owners are very well. And, and our advice is always let them know mm-hmm. ahead of time. Yeah. You know, three months before you are not close, before you close on a Saturday, start communicating. Hey, yeah. just so you guys know, June first, we are we're going to be closing down our Saturday hours, just so you guys can prepare for it. And that way, they don't just show up and you know. And this is a, a radical change, but mm-hmm. introducing the idea that something is going to happen before it happens, so that when it happens, it's not a surprise because they knew it was coming. That may sound dumb. It's it's not. Mm-mm. And a lot of it is the messaging, especially if you're going to be raising prices and yes. practicing a higher standard of care. I would much rather them to know about the standard of care via email than when they come into the exam room. And I'm not going to be like, hey, just so you know, prices are going up. Um but I am going to say, hey, we're really excited. We wanted to bring this to your attention and let you know that we're looking for heartworm disease 
uh, in our area. And this is a thing that we wrestled with. And we want to take a moment to give you guys some information about this and just start communicating the why behind the changes in standard of care that they're going to see when they come in mm-hmm. just so they don't uh, just so they don't expect it. Start to introduce um expensive language in a way if you've always uh, worked at a place that has been a low cost you know provider and you say hey the the things are going to change don't talk about things being quick and easy or discount or affordable just in your messaging talk about them being comprehensive talk about evaluations talk a lot about the doctor Um, you know uh, talk about diagnostics Talk about things like that that just start to send those signals. Yeah. And it's not to chase people away, but it's at least to let them know that change is coming. And I would also say tied to that, there are probably going to be some people who very much wanted 30-year-old medicine and they don't want the medicine that you want. And just like you had to get your head straight and pick your poison about your staff, you're going to have to get your head straight and pick your poison about your clients. Yes. Um, there's a doctor in North Carolina named Ivy Heath who I've always been so impressed with. And she did this exact thing of a rural practice and and just decided she didn't want to practice this way mm-hmm. anymore. And she went through it. And, um, and, you know, it's a little bit of a crucible. And, yes, she had some clients who got very mad when she required yes. heartworm testing and things. And then they left. Yes. And she said, you know, if you just go if you go through it, just, you know, believe what you believe and decide what you want your practice to be. Those people will get mad and they will yell and then they will leave and they will go somewhere else. And that will be that. And mm-hmm. once you go through it and your clientele knows what you're doing and where you go, ultimately you can transition to a clientele that that respects you or that wants to be there for what you're doing. And man, it was transformative for her and her career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was my experience. Um, in in my last practice, we um, we transitioned very very similar to this, although it was a multi doctor practice. But we had, um, and uh, you know, doctors who who had owned the practice and got to retirement age and and retired, and the um, the style of medicine was very different from. Um, the style of medicine that we ultimately wanted to be practicing. And and so it, it is a long shift. And I, I challenge you guys to think about it when we think about our normal client life cycle. We have a lot of our clients that we see more than once a year, but think about how many clients you see once a year. And um, when you think about it, you can't make fundamental changes and have everybody be aware of it in the snap of your fingers because we're only seeing clients once a year, right? So the I will tell you that my personal experience was that the, the shift, the life cycle for a complete overhaul was about a five-year process because we had clients who immediately left and were like, we missed the prior owners. We're mm-hmm. not even going to entertain somebody else being um, in charge. We're, we're, we're leaving. And we had a lot of people who were like, I'm going to try it out and see what I think. Right. And then over time, they either stayed or they went. And at the same time, we were working on building up a client base that was the type of client that we ultimately wanted, the kind of clients who, who wanted what we wanted. And that is not a quick process because when you go from, you know, when I, when I started at the practice, they were they were charging $98 for a dental mm-hmm. and the dental was not a comprehensive oral health exam it was not x-rays it was not a lot of the things that are standard now and that was a huge shift we had to do a lot of educating 
for the clients, for our for our team. Um, we needed to invest in new technologies. We needed to make fundamental actual changes to our physical setup to accommodate those things. Those are all like long-term projects. And so I love, I love your, your example um, about Dr. Ivy, because I think that that's so true is like, you just have to say, I'm not going to make everybody happy and right. let the people who are going to shout, shout, because they're going to do it. And that was hard. I had so many mm-hmm. times I had to argue with the prior practice owner about like, stop engaging with them online. You're not going to make everybody happy. They're not yep. going to love you. Let them just let it go. Let it yeah. go. <laughs> let it go and just you know and move on and but that is not a it's not a quick um it's not a quick process yeah no there's it's not but there are clients that are right for you and they are Mm -hmm. right for your practice and when you find those clients they are fantastic to deal with uh you know what i mean their head is in the same space as your head uh they tend to follow your recommendations they tend to be compliant they are rewarding to work with like they are the right clients for you and you can you can grow people into that client as well. You know, there's a lot of people who just, they've been coming to a place and you change. And as long as you explain why you're changing, they can be very happy to come to that. There's another part of, you're going to have people who are going to leave, but here's the other part that people forget. You're going to attract new people who before were not interested in what was going on. Mm -hmm. And and again, so don't forget about that. Uh, We have a workshop in Uncharted coming up. uh, It's called Client Curation. It's our friend, Dr. Saya Clement. And it's all about identifying the types of clients that uh, that you want for your practice and are going to fit with your practice and what you're doing. And so that's on uh, March the 13th. So it may it may we may be past it when this episode comes out. It's free to uh, Uncharted members. But, you know, we're always putting workshops and doing things like that inside the community uh, because that stuff is important and it's things that we need to keep working on. So, you know, client curation and communication Mm -hmm. like that comes next after we start to decide what is the hill we're going to make pretty. We need to go ahead and start communicating that stuff to clients just so that they don't walk in expecting any more than they're going to. Mm -hmm. And some of them are still going to because they're not going to look at the emails and they're Mm -hmm. not going Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. uh, look at the mailers and they're not going to even notice that the building has been painted and there's a new sign up front. They're going to roll right in and they're not going to like what you're what you do. And and you just need to make peace with that. But Mm -hmm. again, you're going to have probably more luck replacing those clients with clients who do get what you're doing and where you're going than you are bringing some of those clients who don't want what you're doing up to where you are. It's just mm-hmm. it's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, one of the things that is also really important when it when it comes to tackling this elephant, because it's a it's a big one, is um when we we were talking at the beginning of this in terms of action steps, we have to build relationships with the team and build relationships with the clients. And I think one of the things that's important for both of those is you have to create ways to, um, you have to create wins for both of those group of people and do it as quickly as you possibly can. And so in terms of building relationships with the team, it's having those conversations, getting to know them, but also asking them like, what do you, what do you need? Like if you could, and yeah. one of my favorite questions to ask the team is I am, I'm not making any promises, but I want to dream big with you guys. If we could snap our fingers or if I had a magic wand and I could fix one thing for you today, what would that, what would that thing about the practice be? Ask them what they what they want you're probably going to be surprised at some of the answers that you're going to get. And, and so, you know, creating opportunities to find out how can you help them How can you serve them? How can you make things better for them and start building the bridge between where 
you want to be and where they are and figure out who's going to come with you. You know, who's going to be willing to to make those steps and and bridge that gap with you and and also to to know who who is not. And similar with the clients, you know, to your point Andy, like you are going to have the clients who don't read the emails, who just roll on up and mm-hmm. <laughs> ignore all of the signs. And if we cre- if we know that we're fundamentally going to be changing things for them and change is hard and change is scary, we have to lean into creating an experience for them that mm. is that is good and or great in other ways. So the communication, the you know, I'm so excited to meet you and your pet. It's it's playing up all of the little things in the extra ways. It's getting down on the floor. It's asking to take pictures with their pets. It's putting them out on social media. It's doing those things because again, you want to look at that middle client chunk. And I would argue that for most practices, that middle chunk is probably the vast majority. You're going to have clients who are going to shout and rant and not like what you like, and they're going to leave. And you're going to have clients who come to you because you're curating that experience. Those clients are going to see what you're doing as you put it out into the world, and they're going to come because of it. You have to look at that middle ground of clients and say, how can I make this a personal experience for them? Because they may not like what you have to say. They may not like the fact that you're now going to tell them that they're required to do a rabies vaccine before they can leave your pet, their pet in your hospital. You're going to make fundamental policy changes about requiring lab work before dentals, whatever it is. You're going to have clients that aren't going to like that. So how can you lean into building those relationships with them um, and giving them wins, whether it's, you know, getting to know them as people, whether it's getting down on the floor and loving on their pet, all of the things that we do anyways, but really leaning into that and doing it in an intentional way. Um, you know, it's having your team create a board in the lobby to welcome everybody who's coming into the the building that day. It's taking those pictures. It's just the small little things, the handwritten thank you cards. It was so nice to meet you today. And those are the things that when you're doing 10 million things and you're changing and you're working your butt off, those are the things that that take up a lot of time and that it's really tempting to just sidestep because it is extra work. But that is the work that in my personal experience pays off in spades with that middle chunk of your client base and should not be underestimated the potential there. Yeah, no, I agree. So let's jump back real quick to the staff uh, and bringing them up as, as we sort of move through our process. As much as I can include the staff in the planning process, I want to. You know, as much as I want to talk to them about, hey, what are you guys excited about? What would you like to see? Where do you yep. see areas for us to grow and develop? Um, any ideas that they're excited about that would improve the practice? I would very much like to hear those. Mm-hmm. And I would like to I would prioritize those. I want yep. to show them, hey, you're not being bulldozed. And I don't want them to feel bulldozed. There are going to be some times they're going to get pushed into more change than they're mm-hmm. comfortable with. But I want to minimize that. Mm-hmm. And so anything where that I can say, yep, this came from you guys and we're making this change and growing in a way that you want us to grow. Yeah, I definitely want that. So, you know, try to come up with ways to include the staff in there. What the, what are their what is their wish list? How would they like to change? How would they like to adjust problems? And remember, um, a, a good leader has solutions to everything. A great leader has questions that gets the staff to come up with solutions. And yep. then they're their solutions. Yep. And so, you know, how do I get the staff on board? Can I include them as much problem solving as possible? And the other thing that's related to that is I want to try to get the staff wins 
ASAP, right? As soon as we start changing things, I don't want to change things and then have them just get yelled at by this by the clients. Like that's a crappy experience. Yeah. I want to make some changes that they like, that make them feel good, that make their life better, that clients will maybe praise, things like that, because I want them to feel good. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes we don't think about what is going to make the staff feel like they picked up a win. Um, And so we just start doing the hard stuff and the staff just start immediately getting beaten up and they've never gotten any positive Mm -hmm. reinforcement on any of this change. Mm -hmm. And so what are the quick things? And again, it can be wins in that the clients like it. It could be wins in that their their life and their job is easier. Mm -hmm. Hey, I went out and I purchased the printer, a brand new printer that you have been asking for. And like, that sounds silly. It's amazing how you can blow some people's minds when they have a crappy printer that is never gets found on the Wi-Fi network. Mm -hmm. And that constantly has to get a trouble shot. And you just say, I chucked that thing out behind the building uh, into the dumpster. Mm -hmm. And here's your brand new printer that works like a charm. And people go, oh, maybe doing some, maybe there are some things we could update Mm -hmm. and benefit from. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, on both sides, another exercise that's great for the team. And it's, you know, a, a basic one, but it's a tool not to be underestimated is half the team walk through the hospital from the client's perspective and see what the client experience is. And, and this is an area of opportunity to maybe get some of those wins with the clients as well, but with the coming from the team. And so we we did that. And my team was just like, we don't have any uh, the front desk was irritated because they were like every day we have to go outside and we're cleaning up bat poop bags because we don't have garbage can outside and people are just leaving them by mm-hmm. the front front door. And so we we put a little garbage can out there, but people still were not using it and using it. And the front desk was just like, how about one of those yard waste stations? Yeah. And I was like, great idea. Something super, super simple. And the clients were like, oh my gosh, we've wanted one of those in your parking lot for years. Like, thank you so much. And it was, again, it was small, simple, easy win, you know, cost a couple hundred bucks to order one of those things and and the time and energy to put it in. But think about things from that client perspective and have the team walk through what is the client experience? Like, where can we, where can we make some of the improvements, whether it's physical things or changes to processes or protocols or whatever, but those easy wins, I think are so, so important because to your point, it is going to be tiring. Like change is hard and it's, it's tiring for everyone. And so when you feel buoyed by that positivity, it's, it, it makes the change a lot easier. Yeah, I agree. The last thing I got um, is set your priorities, right? Set your priorities, figure out what is most important to you and what you're going to work on first and then what you can work on in six months. Yep. Right. And I think a lot of times people are like, I got to put, it has to go on the list. And I go, you know what? There's two lists there or there's three lists. There's the things I'm doing now. Yep. There are the things I'm going to do next. And there's the things I'm going to do after that. Yep. And it can go on the after that list. And I don't look at the after that list. Really, I don't even look at the next list very often. Mostly I look at these are the things that we're doing. And then I know what we're going to do next. We just have to get there. And honestly, I, that that's a, the best recipe for overwhelm. There's a million different ways to set priorities, right? You can base it on a return on investment, on risk, on cost, on alignment with your values, things like that. Um, if you were looking at this and going, God, I wish somebody would run us through how to set priorities. Uh, Stephanie and I do this at Uncharted. Uh, the April conference is coming up, a- April 21st through 23rd in Greenville, South Carolina. Um, if you're in this boat and you're like, oh man, I've been soaking up this episode because I'm trying to do something big. 
I'm just gonna be honest. I, I don't think there's anything better you could do than come to April uh, conference with us. And we spend about, about a half day at the end running through the different ways to set priorities and look at what you're doing and figure out what's what's next and what's best mm-hmm. as far as your time and your resources. But um, but you got to however you do it. There's a million ways to do it. But you have to figure out what your priorities are, and then you have to start clicking them off the list mm-hmm. and just start marching along one thing after another without getting overwhelmed because of the fixer upper all mm-hmm. around you you need to pick a hill and you make it pretty and then pick the next hill and make it pretty and just start marching and i think one of the um i'll share my my favorite uh thing to do do with my team is to they have to be able to see that you haven't forgotten about their ideas and there may be things that they throw out that you look at that and go that has that has got to be part of the 10 year plan because there's mm-hmm. no way that we're going to get to that in the first 90 days. But there will be lots of things that they throw out on that list that you're like, dude, we could accomplish this in the next two days, let alone the next two weeks. Right. And so um, I I have a meeting, I do a brainstorming session, get get them to participate. Think, think big, think, OK, what, where are our where are our areas of opportunity right? Like what are things that we could in, improve on here? And also what are we, what are things we want to do? Let's stream big, make a list. I'll tell you the first time we did this, I used the big giant post-it sheets. We sat down in a room and I just wrote while they brainstormed. Just tell me, tell me things that, that things, areas of opportunity, things that we could improve on, things that need to be changed, things that need to be upgraded. What, what do you, what do you want? Our, we had 10 of those giant post-it sheets all around us on all four sides of the walls. And then we went through and said, okay, let's let's put these into some buckets. Let's sort mm-hmm. them a little bit. And let's also think, what are what are long-term plans? And so then we we put um sheets out and we did, okay, what feels like we could accomplish it? And we started with like, to your point, the three big buckets. Like what might be next? What 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 is kind of could we work on right now what might be next and what might be really long term and then kept sorting it down from there so we ended with the list of what are we working on right now but that they could still visualize all of the stuff that they had shared that was part of the long term plan and i'll tell you in the 5 years we didn't get to some of the things that were on that list but they felt heard because we revisited that on a regular basis and it was like look this is still a we are working towards that here's the 15 steps that we've got to make to get between here and there. Like, here's how we bridge that gap. And I will tell you that the return on investment for buy-in and doing a simple process like that is astronomical. Um, And, and they, they feel a part of it. And, you know, it's a, it's a good opportunity to be able to visualize the plan in a very, in a very simple way. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Well, thanks for talking through this with me. Love it. This was a good one. I hope everybody has a fantastic week. You guys take care. Take care, everybody. Well, everybody, that's a wrap on another episode of the podcast. Thanks so much for spending your time with us. We truly enjoy spending part of our week with you. As always, Andy and I enjoyed getting into this topic. Um, I have a tiny little favor to ask, actually two of them. One is if you can go to wherever you source your podcasts from and hit the review button and leave us a review. We love hearing your feedback and knowing what you think of the podcast. And number two, if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. Thanks so much for listening, guys. We'll see you soon.